0: Hello, it's great that you can join us on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. We're now more than halfway through this present series on the study of the character of Jesus Christ. And so far, we've looked into his character of love, his obedience, meekness, gentleness, purity, and last time, we discovered more about his dignity this time we look with brian at the steadfastness or patience of christ this characteristic is evident in those who hold to their aims and beliefs no matter how much discouragement and opposition they might face our main bible readings today will be from paul's second letter to the thessalonians but now we go to the steadfastness or patience of
1: christ with brian yes john There are many persecuted Christians today. In fact, it's an increasing number, the number of Christians who are persecuted for their religious beliefs. Not as much is said about this, it would seem, as when it occurs with other religious faiths. There's nothing new about any of this, of course. If you had the opportunity to speak directly to a Christian being persecuted for their faith, what do you think you would say? The Apostle Paul wrote his two Bible letters, those addressed to the Thessalonians, to a church which was undergoing persecution. There was also a tendency to ill-discipline by some within that young and as yet immature church congregation. In Paul's message to them, there's a word that gets mentioned, a word that gets commended. It's the word steadfastness. Contrary to what might be our initial reaction if and when we encounter those suffering for their faith, Paul doesn't offer to pray for their relief. For Paul, the response to persecution is to emulate Christ, the Christ who persevered with superlative discipline. In more detail, his prayer is that they focus on the constancy of Christ and so apprehend it in their experience, that they might be counted worthy of their calling and God's kingdom, that they might desire what's good and find it realised, that they might still be active in works of faith through God's power, and finally, that they might be glorified in the Lord and he in them. Paul prays, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Early on in his writings to these persecuted Thessalonians, Paul acknowledges their steadfastness their steadfastness of hope alongside their labour of love and work of faith. When he writes a second time, he enthuses about how he shared the news of the steadfastness of their faith with others as an encouragement for others to do the same. He signs off by praying they'll find increasing inspiration in meditating on the steadfastness of Christ as our perfect example. In many of our studies previously, we've been referencing the character traits of Christ as we encounter them while reading through Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And Christ's steadfastness is glimpsed in his followers there who experience comforting after patiently enduring sufferings. But coming back again to the Church of Thessalonica, sometimes recent converts are the best evangelists. In fact, they often are. And this was true of the Thessalonians. Despite being recent pagan converts to Christianity, they were showing great missionary progress. God's word was being spread in the world and obeyed in the church. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Paul talks about God's word running and being glorified. Perhaps he was thinking of an Olympic runner entering the stadium for the final lap and taking the crowd's applause, but it could just as well fit the scene of a modern footballer running the length of the pitch, scoring a fine goal, and taking the adulation of the supporters. Paul the veteran apostle, was not parochially minded, but rather he'd an imperial vision. He longed for the evangelization of the Roman Empire, no less. From its intellectual capital at Athens, to its commercial capital at Corinth, where he was now writing to the Thessalonians from, and on further to its administrative capital at Rome, and that would turn out to be Paul's final earthly destination. But it was a struggle, The good fight of the faith, as he put it. The supernatural, spiritual dimensions of the warfare seen in the faithfulness of the Lord on the one hand and the perversity arising from the evil one on the other. The faithfulness of the Lord is to his word and then to his church people. And this happens in opposition to the mischief of the evil one, the devil. Paul's request was for the Thessalonians to pray for him. Intercessors pray, missionaries preach, while hearers honour the word by receiving it. And in that way, the opponents are thwarted and God's word makes progress. But pioneering work, once it leads to the planting of a new church, as had recently happened here, often quickly turns into correctional ministry. It's then that Christ's constancy, when meditated upon, becomes the motivation for our constancy – in doing the preaching, and especially in dealing with the perversity. Literally, what Paul talks about here is out-of-place behaviour. Very often, what's out of place can be happening within the professing community. And this is what he says, Second Thessalonians 3 again, For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now, such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Some at Thessalonica were loafers, not busy, but busy bodies. Progressively, in what follows, Paul takes the church through four stages of narrowing, sharpening their focus on how to tackle this problem in their midst. He begins by addressing the whole church, then narrows down onto the faithful majority, before coming, in the words we've just read, to the unfaithful minority, and finally to the stubborn individuals themselves who were persisting in the out-of-place behaviour of refusing to work in order to support themselves. This brought the need for discipline due to persistent disregard for apostolic instruction. The nature of that discipline was to be expressed in various degrees of social ostracism within the Church. In other words... There was to be no more free and familiar fellowship with those who were stubbornly resisting the apostles' appeals for them to end their disorderly behaviour. The whole church was held responsible for this, as led by their leaders, of course, and the spirit of the discipline was to always remain brotherly, with its purpose being to shame the offenders into better performance. Both internal discipline and external persecution, such as we encountered here among the Thessalonians, demand patience. And the Greek word primarily used for patience means cheerful or hopeful endurance, a constancy. Looking more widely around the New Testament, the following are among the areas in which we as Christians are called to be patient in this sense. Number 1. We are to bring forth fruit with patience. As Jesus said in his famous parable, the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. When you plant an apple seed in the ground, it takes years for the trees to grow and even more time to produce apples, but eventually the fruit appears. Spiritual fruit also takes time and requires patience. Now, number two, we are to endure trials and tribulations with patience. Romans 5 and 3 says, We also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Also, in enduring life's circumstances and sufferings, the Apostle Peter says, If when you do what is right and suffer for it, if you endure patiently, this finds favour with God. And then number three, then we are to run the Christian race with patience. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In his own earthly ministry, Jesus showed patience with people, and he also showed patience with God's timing of events. As well, of course, as in suffering. And that brings us to another word associated with patience, and it's long suffering. Here's a good way to look at it patience has to do with circumstances, but long suffering has more to do with the people whom we encounter in our circumstances. We'll sign off now by noting that Christ's patience, in the sense of long suffering, must be appropriated by us as his followers in relation to people, as when Paul says, Walk in a manner worthy of your calling with patience, that's Ephesians 4 and 2. But not only in relationships with people, but also in communicating the gospel to people, as when Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Preach the word with great patience. And finally, not only in our personal relationships and sharing of the Bible, but also as we serve together with others, awaiting our Lord's return. For James says, be patient until the coming of the Lord." Lord.
0: As usual, I'd like to remind you there's a free book to go with this series of ten studies of Christ's character and a copy can be yours if you write in. We'd also be pleased to hear any comments or questions you might have. So if you'd like a copy of the book just ask for The Character of Christ and you can write in by email or by post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 748, Ringwood, Victoria 3134, Australia. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 70115, Chilomini, Blantyre, Malawi. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So thank you for listening and if you're following this series I hope you're continuing to enjoy these studies with Brian. So please join me again next week if you're able to when Brian will be taking a look at the humility of Christ. But until then it's goodbye for now from Brian, David, our singers and me John. So see you soon and in the meantime may God richly bless you.